God's order is broken, and the humans are in exile from the garden. Will the next generation restore God's order? Find out today on The Bible Brief. In our last episode, we saw the breakdown of God's order, as the serpent in the garden deceives the woman while the man sits idly by. They both disobey God's order, his mandate and his prohibition, and we see them banished from the garden, cursed and confused. But they're not without hope. They're holding on to a promise where an offspring of Eve will come to defeat the serpent. This promised offspring or seed will set things right again, and they are looking forward to his coming. At this point in the story, we meet two of the offspring of Eve and Adam, and two questions should be in our mind. Will one of these offspring be the promised one? Will these offspring honor and follow God in a way their parents failed to do? Let's find out as we get into Genesis chapter 4. In Genesis chapter 4, we meet two of Adam and Eve's children, the eldest son Cain and the younger son Abel. And we read this, Now Abel became a shepherd of flocks, but Cain worked the ground. In the course of time, Cain presented some of his land's produce as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also presented an offering, some of the firstborn of his flock and their fat portions. The Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but he did not have regard for Cain and his offering. Cain was furious, and he looked despondent. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you furious, and why do you look despondent? If you do what is right, won't you be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you but you must rule over it. Notice a few things. First, that Abel, the keeper of livestock, presented the best of his flock as a sacrifice to God. But Cain, the field farmer, only offered a regular portion of his produce to God. Abel gave God the best of what he had, while Cain did not. Apparently, Abel understood the proper way to honor God, and Cain is angry because God liked Abel's offering better than his. But God encourages Cain that when he does what is right, he will be accepted. Further, he tells Cain that sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. God calls on Cain to rule over the sin that wants to rule over him. God's telling Cain his identity and his status, but sin wants to deceive him, just as the serpent deceived his mother. Let's find out what happens. Cain said to his brother Abel, Let's go out to the field. And while they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, Where is your brother Abel? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's guardian? Then God said, What have you done? Your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Just a generation after his parents had eaten the fruit from the forbidden tree, Cain commits the first murder, and he murders his brother. Not for something his brother did to him, but for something his brother did for God. Abel honored God, yet he was killed despite his obedience. Maybe that reminds you of someone we meet later in the Bible. Anyway, if we get back to Genesis 4, we read this at the very end of the chapter. Adam was intimate with his wife again, and she gave birth to a son and named him Seth. For she said, God has given me another offspring in the place of Abel since Cain killed him. At the end of this chapter, where we witness a spiral of crisis and confusion among mankind, we see hope renewed. Eve announces that their third son, Seth, will be a replacement offspring or seed for Abel. 
Despite murder among her children, Eve says that God's blessing of another child means that hope remains. Seth, the third son, would be the one through whom the ultimate seed of the woman would come. The seed who would conquer the serpent and set things right again. The one who would remove the curse and fix humanity's identity crisis. But apparently, that would be a long time off. As we continue through the next chapter of Genesis, we see that generations pass as Seth's children have children, and those children have children, and so on. Meanwhile, the same is happening among Adam and Eve's other sons and daughters. Lots of babies as the humans begin to populate the land in earnest. But generations later, we get to Genesis chapter 6, and we see this. When the Lord saw that human wickedness was widespread on the earth, and that every inclination of the human mind was nothing but evil all the time, the Lord regretted that he made man on the earth, and he was deeply grieved. Then the Lord said, I will wipe mankind whom I created off the face of the earth, together with the animals, creatures that crawl, and birds of the sky, for I regret that I made them. Noah, however, found favor with the Lord. Apparently, things had gotten bad among the humans. It says that every inclination of the human mind was nothing but evil all the time. Ouch. And due to this evil, God was going to wipe out mankind. Well, all of mankind except for Noah. Noah found favor with God, and in the next verse we find out why. It says, Noah was a righteous man, blameless among his contemporaries. Noah walked with God. Despite the evil world in which Noah grew up, he still walked with God, and God had grace on Noah and saved him from the coming judgment. Next we read this. Then God said to Noah, I've decided to put an end to every creature, for the earth is filled with wickedness because of them. Therefore, I'm going to destroy them along with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it with pitch inside and outside. This is how you're to make it. The ark will be 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. And later, you will enter the ark with your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives. You are also to bring into the ark two of all the living creatures, male and female, to keep them alive with you. And then finally, we see Noah respecting the order and authority of God. It says this, And Noah did this. He did everything that God had commanded him. Soon we see the great flood come that destroys the world in judgment. As God had originally created things in the world and called them good, when God saw that mankind had become so evil, he uncreates the world with the flood. God is giving the world a new beginning. And after this incredible and awful destruction, we see echoes of the prior biblical accounts. Let's keep following the story. So upon exiting the ark after months aboard, Noah sacrifices animals to God to honor him. Then it says this in Genesis chapter 9. God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The fear and terror of you will be in every living creature on the earth, every bird of the sky, every creature that crawls on the ground, and all the fish of the sea. They are placed under your authority. Every creature that lives and moves will be food for you. As I gave the green plants, I have given you everything. The first sentence here is almost exactly the same mandate that God gave to Adam and Eve after he blessed them. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. 
Yet we see a difference too. God has now made the animals afraid of humans and has granted to the humans the animals to eat as food. In this reset of humanity, things are a bit different. Before, in the Garden of Eden, humans were not corrupted with sin. But in this reset of humanity, people are already corrupted, so God makes his order a bit different to accommodate. It says this in Genesis chapter 9, starting in verse 4. However, you must not eat meat with its lifeblood in it. And I will require a penalty for your lifeblood. I will require it from any animal and from any human. If someone murders a fellow human, I will require that person's life. Whoever sheds human blood, by humans his blood will be shed. For God made humans in his image. This may seem like odd commentary, where God essentially says that capital punishment is the appropriate punishment for murder. But I want to draw your attention to the language. It's blood language. Rather than just murder, blood is used. And from here on in the Bible narrative, we're to be reminded of this idea of blood. Blood becomes the quintessential and primary indication of life, the capstone representation of life itself. And when blood is shed by someone in murder, their shed blood is the penalty for that murder, a life for a life. This principle of bloodshed as penalty will be enhanced later in the biblical narrative. But remember that we get our first hint of this blood theme right here after the flood. After the order of creation was rejected by Adam and Eve, and continuing confusion and sin reigns until the flood, God has now set up a new and altered order of things with Noah and his sons. While humans have a similar mandate, they now have sin and curse to deal with as well. Will Noah, a descendant of Eve, lead the humans to a new utopia of obedience and righteousness before God, finally following his order, his mandate, and his prohibitions? Will his sons do better than Cain and Abel? Find out next time on The Bible Brief. Do you have a question about the Bible? It could be featured on a future show. You can submit a question by going to our website, BibleLiteracyFoundation.com, and clicking on the podcast page. There you can submit a text or audio question. We'd love to hear from you. The Bible Brief is brought to you by the Bible Literacy Foundation, dedicated to helping people like you learn the Bible. Copyright Bible Literacy Foundation 2022.